Switch Radio Sport. This is Switch. Hello and welcome to the non-league review on Switch Sports with Kevin Moore and Ross Thorpe. And our guest this week is Paul Smith, the first team manager of in Town Football Club, residing in the Southern Division 1 Central. Hello Paul, welcome to Switch Sport. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Paul, I'd like to start off that prior to joining Halzo in town, you accepted the manager's post at Redditch United, who at the time when you joined the club were displaying all the signs of a team in relegation form due to their poor run of results. However, results improved and you guided them to safety in the league. So can you share with us from your perspective, what were the challenges you had to overcome throughout this campaign? And with your focus on retaining their Premier Division central status, did this alter how you would usually manage players on and off the pitch compared to your time maybe managing at other clubs? It's a strange one. I think most managers look at their accomplishments as, as trophies won. I'd go so far to say is is saving Redditch from from relegation in that season as one of the biggest things I've done so far in management. I think they'd sort of um, lost eight or nine and and just won one when I arrived. There were sort of six or seven points adrift with a budget that was nowhere near the levels of a budget within that division. A number of people had sort of tried to talk me out of taking it. I like a challenge. At the time, I was I was helping a friend out, actually at Highgate, and doing some bits for him to try and streamline streamline them. But obviously, he knew it was just sort of a short-term thing. So when the, the Redditch job became available, it was one that um, I was looking to... It was a great opportunity to try and throw my throw myself into something and what a challenge it was you're completely right it was a real tough one to to try and get them out of it and probably the biggest achievement I've had to date it was very tough it was immensely enjoyable because there was that challenge there there was something to to strive for it was a case of getting some players in very very quickly which we managed to do and by hook or by crook we guide them from being bottom of the division up until sort of just before just below halfway and you sort of take the points per games from when when I went in with my staff to the end of the season it was sort of a, a top eight side so yeah it was a tremendous achievement one I thoroughly enjoyed and one that I believe was up to date was one of my highlights. Yeah, Paul, I watched you a couple of times when you first took over. The one game that really sticks out for me was, ironically, when you played Hales Owen on New Year's Day, and I think you beat them 3-0. From that point of view, knowing how well you'd done the space of time that you'd been at the club, with an element of firefighting, like you say, to bring players in, to replace players going out, it, it was a time where the club wasn't necessarily in turmoil, but on the pitch it was a it was very messy, so to speak. But at that point where you kept them up, and I mean it was your first job at step three, did you envisage towards the end of that season that you might be moving on at the end of the season, or was the aim, was you starting to look at the following season and building a squad to, to maybe make mid-table in step three? As we, we sort of finished that season, I was fully geared up to be to be remaining at Redditch. I enjoyed my time immensely there and had a great rapport with, with those at Redditch and, and the fans themselves. So there was no sort of signs of me moving. Um, issues sort of started to lie really when we went away to Colville. They were going for a promotion at the time and, and we went there and beat them. And it was a fantastic performance and fantastic result and probably just about signified that we were going to be safe, which was a massive achievement in itself still with half a dozen games to go but on the back of that result unfortunately I was told from the powers to be that the budget was going to be cut so that disappointed me immensely really because obviously the players that I'd bought in when I took over the drive and the determination was all about keeping this club in in the division and to remain at step three so they'd achieved that but on the back of achieving that I was then having to turn around to them on the following Tuesday and tell them that all the money was going to be cut for them for the, the remainder of the season and as you can suggest 
and imagine that that was a tough conversation to take because these boys had, had thrown everything at it for me for that period to get the club from being certainties and odds on to get relegated to then to achieve the miraculous and stop up with still enough sort of six or seven games to go a tough pill to swallow and one that disappointed me more than anything else I'm I'm not the kind of person to go on anything and slate anyone or, or talk down about anybody but it disappointed me that the powers to be were treating the players in in that way so from that point it was a case of me hopefully it was two weeks before the the transfer deadline so I obviously put it out to all the players if any of them wanted to leave there's nothing I can do about that and feel free but I'd love them all to stop and and finish the season off with me and see where we are well obviously as you know Ross in football things get about so those kind of stories came out and popped out what was going on I think Keith and, and Karen had heard the kind of rumours obviously they were looking at perhaps possibilities of what they were going to go and do for for Hales Owen next year and then obviously what's happened happened during sort of pre-season last year but from my point of view yeah I had some real good times at Redditch it's a very good football club some nice people there I had no issues that I thought I was going to be there at step three going forward but it took a turn when the budget was cut which I didn't think was right and obviously Hales Owen stole a march on coming in for me and the rest is history really. And in your managerial career, because knowing that you've you worked at Studley with very little money, if any money at all, everybody makes out that, you know, when you was at Bromsgrove, you had the big, rich checkbook at every level of football you was at, whether you did or whether you didn't. Was this the first time as a manager that you'd ever had that where you'd done so well and someone's gone, right, we're cutting the budget? If You know, if you put the players to one side just for, for you as a manager who... Let's be fair to say, you know, you're four clubs down the line as it speaks now. You know, you've got a level of experience in terms of management now. How did that make you personally feel? Probably a bit of a tough one, really. As a manager, and again, you've been through it yourself. You've got to go through all sorts of scenarios. So it was just another scenario that I had to deal with at the time because I was elated after that Colville win. It was a real top, top draw performance and we were fantastic. So sort of you imagine that kind of performance and knowing as as a manager and and staff and players that that has pretty much ticked off everything you were looking to try and do at the football club and we walked through the door as a management set up and as players we ticked off on that day so you know you, you sat in the bar at Colville and, and like I said I've won a lot of Bromsgrove I've done very very well at Hales Owen now but I honestly believe to save Redditch that year goes right up against anything else I've ever done so to be that high and, and to be that pleased with everything that's gone on then to find out the following Tuesday that the players were not going to go and, and finish the season and get their expenses that they've agreed to it was a bitter pill to swallow not for me personally but for the staff and players that, that I'd talked into coming to Redditch because you can imagine it yourself can't you you imagine Redditch sort of rock bottom at step three budget not being great so it's not financial rewards I'm trying to pull players and I'm trying to pull players in to come and play for me a real tough task then but then to do that and tell them that obviously on the back of sort of guaranteeing safety that unfortunately they're, they're not going to be paid their expenses or their full expenses the remainder of the season it was a tough one to take and um, it's non-league football I get it I understand it been in it long enough and it was one of those things that we had to deal with I was just over the moon that the response I had from the boys desire and determination I had from them to stop with me until the end of the season it meant none of them walked away some big players in that dressing room that could have quite easily gone and got themselves other clubs but they didn't and I remember that and I have remembered it and they were good boys 
was a, it was a real good group. We had a great time, but as I said, it's football and we have to move on. Support during the summer break, the announcement came that you joined Halzo in town and while it's been well documented your immediate ambitions for the club at the time when you joined, you would have already witnessed the team how they were like on the pitch when they played against Redditch. Now when your managers come in, there was traditionally a period of assessment to identify what changes they feel they need to make. Did you use the close season to take this approach? Or, considering the stature of the club and your drive to prepare the squad to challenge for promotion to step three, were you more direct with your rebuilding plans? It sounds a little bit brutal, Kevin, if I'm being completely honest. When I took over, tables don't lie. The squad got relegated and they got relegated for a reason. They were not good enough and that's where you are, really. So it was very important that I got in very, very early. I met the whole squad. I had one-to-ones with them and I would have. I would have offered them all an opportunity. I think it was right and fair to do so to get this club back to where it belonged if they if they wanted to do it. Unfortunately for for the large part, the majority didn't really want to do that. They thought dropping down to step four was beneath them. Well, that's their own choice. That's their own point of view. My sort of issue was, well, the club are down at step four partly to do with you as individuals and as a group. So it disappointed me to an extent, but the same breath I'd already identified that it needed wholesale changes to, to get the club back up and running again and, and step four is a completely different entity to step three. So I identified nice and early that there was changes that we needed to make and, and wholesale ones at that. It was very important we changed that. The problem I had though was the club, no disrespect to anyone at all, the, the club over the last three or four years previous had struggled against relegation over a number of years. The attendances were dwindling. The place wasn't great to be around and, and, and the football hadn't been very, very good. So it was a real tough recruitment process last summer to try and entice players in to come into a club that up until that point was really on, on free for. And that's probably the best way to the best way to put it. The the signs of encouragement were obviously I sat down with, with Karen and Keith, the two owners. They told me their vision and what they wanted to try and do with the football club over the next one year, three years, five years and ten years and it excited me. It got me really, really going if I'm being completely honest. And it was something that I looked to try and try and find in any club. That sort of hunger and desire from owners to try and push a football club for the football club to be there their be all and end all it's it's deep in them and it was so so exciting it, it was easy to take so that was very important for me to try and sell to to players coming in in that summer when when the club was sort of going down had a massive plus that I'd signed and that's not being big-headed I'm not the big-headed kind of person I'm the last person to to praise myself but for them to for me to come away from step three to drop down step four there was a reason behind that so it was important that I used that and tried to sell that to players I was looking to bring in similarly the name of Hales Owen so with what Keith and Karen were trying to do it was important to try and get into players that this is where we're looking to get to very quickly and this is what we're looking to do long term so this is as, as low as it's been at the moment for our football club but we're going to start progressing and start moving forward so that was the way I tried to sell it really Hales Owen being a name the fantastic owners that I took over and the work that they'd put in and, and they continue to put in behind the scenes the Redditch United side that myself and the staff put together if you take the points per games from when we arrived to when to when we left it came seventh in that step three step three division so I knew straight away that if I could bring the the nucleus of that Redditch United side if I could entice that to drop down to to step four if I could if I could sell them what I'm trying to do and what the club are trying to do then I'd have a good basis to move on from I was very lucky that obviously there's two or three players that played for me for a while that also came in so 
it was a good nucleus to work from. From that, we added to it, and I was very, very pleased as we started the season with the squad we'd put together. So, Paul, looking again when you, you first went in, and yes, it was a, a rebuild in terms of players, but there was also the introduction of the staff. So I know you brought Craig and Josh over with you from your time at Redditch, but you also brought in John Snape. How important do you think it was bringing Snapper in? Because, you know, people in... In non-league circles, you know, he's a name that quite a lot of people know, players as well as people that are not playing anymore. Obviously, a, a real big character. Did you feel it was important to try and bring somebody in onto the staff like Snapper? Because he's probably quite different to what Craig and Josh and, and yourself are in that sense, I would say, from the outside looking in. Yes, hugely, hugely, Ross. The, the issue I'd got was, and it was a bit of a strange one, really, because I wanted, I took Matt Clark into, into Redditch with me. So Matty Clark, who obviously you know, know well, who's been tremendous through the years at, at non-league level, and, and he was fantastic for me at, uh, as my assistant at Redditch. And um, I can't speak highly enough of the man as a football person. Knowledge, I learned a lot of Matt Clark and um, brilliant on the pitch and off the pitch and around the boys and with me. And I really, really would hoped that he was going to come with me to Hales Zone. The big issue, obviously, was he, he'd been at Hales Zone as a player and part and parcel of management set up there with John Hill. So after numerous heart-to-hearts and meetings, he didn't feel it was it was right that he came back. So that was tough, I've got to be honest with you. In a very, very short space of time, we've become very, very close. And um, I've learned in football, and, uh, and you'll know yourself, that you can count on the people you can trust sort of on one hand really there's there's a lot out there that that you can't trust so it's I'd built that trust with Matt very very quickly and to this day I still speak to him regularly and I still love him to bits that was a bit of a kick in the in the teeth I'm being honest so from that then I had to try and find somebody else that could fit into it and the strange thing is I'm probably one of the hardest managers to work for because I am that sort of um in depth with things I'm really on top with it so I, it's sort of my main focus in life my football so it's not the easiest of jobs to be a number two to me so I, I'm the first to admit that I've known John for a hell of a long time again we spoke regularly over a number a number of years through football and it was purely a, an off chance we had a conversation about something else it escapes me what it was but I just mentioned it to him that obviously I, I've took over at Hales Owen Matty doesn't want to come with me or can't come with me and I'm looking for, a, for someone to come in along side me and I don't work as much as my name's above the door as number one I don't work that way I work as as part and part of a, a partnership I firmly believe that that one and two need to work equally together yes if there's ever a, a final say that, that, that needs to happen then the manager's got to take that but I think you've got to give the respect to your coaches and, and your management team and they've got to be put on that pedestal with the manager so I've always worked that way I've never I've never been any different I'm I'm not interested in the plaudits that come with a with a manager's position. It's purely about a team ethic that I work with. And I was over the moon when Snapper, we met up, we had a couple of meetings um, and he decided to take it. It's been a whirlwind, really, because I hadn't worked with him before. So the early stages were sort of um, a little bit working together and, and him looking at me and me looking at him. But I can safely say he's in the space of the 12 months, we've become very close as friends and I'm as close as him as I was to Matt and he's a tremendous man a fantastic assistant manager and I wouldn't have been able to go and do what we've done this year without his input and his desire and he deserves a hell of a lot of credit for what we've done so far this year he's a top man and from that point of view because I know in the early days you know you'd announced that on the playing side but I don't know if it was ever a case of who's coming on to the coaching staff as well that 
Lee Hughes was going to be staying at the club, so someone who had been at the club over a couple of spells. Obviously, everyone knows his history as a, a player and a you know a legend in the black country with, with West Brom. But then at that point, Lee moved on. Was that something that you just felt weren't going to work at that time and you needed to almost totally distance everything from the year before? Or was it just a case that Lee had an offer to, to move on and it was just a case of thanks for everything in a short space of time? And then, then at that point, it was totally everything was your regime. Lee was brilliant. He was the only one when I, when I had all the individual meetings with all the players that were at the club when I took over. He was the only one that actually showed any real desire and hunger to be part and parcel of what I was what I was looking to do. It was refreshing, really, because if you obviously you look at Lee Hughes as a as a player and what he's done. Well, this is a football club that had just been relegated from from step three down to step four, and he'd been part and parcel of that as a player and a manager. Yet. I told him the, the the way I was going to do things and what I wanted to do and would he be interested. He jumped at it. It was so refreshing and I was so pleased. I, I'd got no disrespect to any of them because everyone's different, but I'd got other lads that had been there that, that were telling me they won't drop down to step four. If they drop to step four, they want this, they want that. And it really was a bit of fresh air for him to say, no, I want to stop. And, and that was the whole reason, really. It was important that if I saw anyone with that kind of desire and hunger to stop and help, it was important we gave them a chance. So he came back and he was brilliant. There's no way in the world I'd never again, I'd never say a, a bad word about him. His, his training efforts were fantastic. He was there all the time. His matches were brilliant. He wasn't an ounce of bother. And, and you add that then to, to the crack he, he was in the dressing room and, and within the group. I was devastated, really, when he went. And so were we all. The issue we'd got was, obviously, he wanted to be playing week in, week out and, and sort of as many minutes as he can because of the age he's at. He wanted to sort of finish off playing regularly and it was at a stage where the squad we'd sort of put together, it didn't allow him to do that week in, week out. So as much as I was desperate to keep him, I understood and I got why he wanted to why he wanted to try and sort of finish off somewhere and play some games. So there's no no hard feelings at all and um pleased to actually meet him and, and for the short time him play under me. So Paul, if we take a more detailed overview of the season, I'd like to focus on some key games throughout the campaign. A positive start regarding league results and by the end of September only two league defeats. September witnessed the start of your journey in the FA Trophy with a 300 mile away trip Norfolk based outfit Durham Town to progress into the next round. Now just a few days prior to the Durham tie, you won away against Bedworth United in the league. So going into October, as the frequency of games increased, were you becoming more aware of the need to factor in adequate recovery time for your players while still sustaining a challenge for the title and maintaining your involvement in the FA Trophy? We lost two games early doors, you're right. One was Corby at home, which we should never have lost, if I'm being completely honest. We were, we were dominant for the majority of the game, unfortunately, at a moment of madness by Evo, Rob Evans, and got himself sent off that pretty much sort of cost us a game. So it was a tough one to take. Welling Garland City was the other one we lost, which I believe we deserve to lose. Um, I, I don't think they were the, the, the best footballing side, but they got they got into us and fair play to them. The tactics they used worked on the day and they thoroughly deserved their win. But the Corby one still wrangles with me to an extent. And as you said, we then went to Deerham and played very, very well. Very late winner, but it was a long way away and came back. I wasn't too worried about the recovery time, Kevin. Every non-league side, at sort of any level really, you've got to prepare to be playing sort of every week. If it's where you need to be. So we knew the games were coming thick and fast. But the big thing about that is if you're in a good vein of form, Winning can become a habit, so it's very, very important you 
you bang those games in. You add to that that I'm a manager that's sort of, um, it's very, very important to me, the methods and the processes that are put in place. For me, it's, it's about methods, about processes that you put in in place to make sure that, that everyone's right. That's from identifying strengths and weaknesses with opposition and training sessions for that. For logistics to make sure that travel arrangements so you're getting your players at, at grounds whether it's be a Tuesday night or a Saturday in the best possible shape and and mindset all this goes goes towards making sure that you can put them in the best possible position to go and win a game of football so I wasn't too worried about the the recovery time it was just important that we remain focused making sure that those methods and processes that we do put in place continued. So from that point of view, Paul, you got to October. Obviously, you was on the, the upward spiral, so to speak, in terms of results, etc. Crowds were starting to get a little bit more each game. Each game you were winning, a few more would be coming on a Tuesday, etc. But at the time, a player who was certainly making all of the headlines from the outside looking in was young Montel Gibson, who I think it's fair to say he's had a... He's had quite a few clubs locally in terms of non-league. All of a sudden, you know, he's, he's coming to with yourself and really hit the ground running, started to score quite a few goals. I know he'd been on contracts from pre-season, but was there a lot of noise about Montel that you were a bit concerned could derail the group? Or was it just a case of you felt the, the group was strong enough to cope with the demands that everybody was putting on them at that stage? Because, as you say, winning does become a habit. Montel was fantastic for us, wasn't he? Especially the first half of the season. Now, I had Montel when I took over at Redditch. I worked with Montel and unfortunately at the time I moved him out. His attitude and his hunger and desire to succeed wasn't where it needed to be. Montel approached me in the summer and said, listen, my head's right. I need to focus. I need to get back into football. Will you Will you take me? So bought him in pre-season. He was spot on, Ross. He's always got that ability. The chip on his shoulder remained, which I wanted it to but not to the extent where it caused him problems it was to an extent where he knew he was good he was ready he was firing and he, he was fantastic up until sort of Christmas he, he, he changed an agency from sort of Christmas January time there was a couple of deals in that we thought may have took place in January they didn't and it affected Montel which obviously you can understand as a young kid that had been promised moves to league clubs by certain people that doesn't happen it's going to hit your conference a little bit you know surely so it was a tough sort of last half of the season with him just to keep his uh, his morale up and just to keep him going we managed to get through that but obviously he's looking to make moves again they think they can get him another deal so for him alone he was brilliant for us he's a great kid and and he's got ability that could easily get him into league football I've got no doubt about that it's important that his mentality his hunger and desire remains and that he's led correctly and if those drop into place then I think he'll go and do very very well regards the rest of the squad at the time they're a fantastic, fantastic group. And as much as Montel was getting the plaudits, and rightly so with the goals he was scoring, you go through that scenario and that, that situation, that run of games, I'd suggest to you that Montel was very rarely on the, on the man of the match situation. It was nine times out of ten other players. So he knew that, he realised that, he was fantastic. But alongside him, there was there was there was a number of fantastic players. So yeah, they had no problems with him taking the plaudits. They got it. They realised it. And as a group, they were all pulling the same direction. And I couldn't have asked any more of them, really. And on top of that, you brought in 
a lad who I worked with at Cozil, Simeon Coborn. You also had Jamie Molyneux. So from that point of view, was it important that, like you say, winning games and stuff, winning that became a habit, you know, county cup games, etc., allowed you to keep rotating the forward line or was that something you was a little bit cautious of because let's be fair we all know that if a forward's banging form and then you leave him on the bench on a Tuesday night for a county cup game and another forward goes and scores it can actually have the the opposite effect for a from rest for the person who's been scoring all the goals how did you manage that and obviously three outstanding forwards at the level of football and I'd imagine trying to keep all three of them happy was not easy you're completely right and, and you've missed Luke Yates off there who who for me is one of the best young talents and um, he won't mind me saying it because he's a lovely kid but if he wasn't so wet between the ears I think he'd he'd still go on now and play at, at levels higher if I could just get a bit of get up and go from him so he was thrown in that mix at all it's very easy really in a way Russ well what I do is I explain you won't go and win things I firmly believe that while I've been managing it's very rare you can go and win things with 11 or 12 good footballers in my opinion you need 18 very good footballers if you want to if you want to go and win anything and want to go and progress the key to that isn't as you've said um if you don't explain these scenarios again i go back to these methods and processes but if you don't explain what you're trying to do at the very beginning then if you do decide to then start moving things around and they can come back at your players but any player I bring into bring into the football club i explain that um if we're successful in league and cup competitions there'll be nine on 60 maybe 65 could be up to 70 games in a season now from those 65 70 games maybe you could be playing or you could start in a half or three quarters of them if you're playing well but I'm telling you this now before you come in because the reason why I'm telling you is because I don't want you to be pulling me in, in two or three months time to tell me you're not very happy with that but the reason why I'm doing this is because I'm looking for three four players in any kind of position that can all drop in because every single competition is very very important and every game is important if I explain that to them at the very beginning they buy into it they look at these again I keep harping on about it but it's very important to me the methods and processes of what I try and do it's down to them then if they want to buy into it if they want to accept those terms if they're willing to now every player that I bought in I've accepted it the main thing is that it's it's explained it's put in place uh, and they accept it early doors at the very beginning if they don't then and I've had it before Ross I've had it before so a number of players have, have, have listened to what I've got to say and I said no it's not for me and fair play to them they've moved on but the ones that have accepted it like I say so far I'd suggest that we're doing very very well also heading into the Christmas and New Year period of fixtures replay success during December against Bradford Park Avenue in the trophy and Boxing Day away point against Colesill Town. Now in terms of the league Colesill would be your only local rivals so did this work to your advantage when looking to attract players to your squad especially when targeting players in and around the West Midlands? I think the first thing is that there's a hell of a lot of good football clubs in and around our area isn't there so it's not just Colesill albeit we're both with the two clubs that uh, step but you only have to look at uh, you know from step five step four to step three there's a hell of a lot of good football clubs so I don't think Colesville are the only the only side that can cause problems with that I think also regards bringing players in our relegation causes some problems and similarly trying to attract players into step four the Redditch boys that I had at step three it was talking them into dropping down a level and at the end of the day if I want to try and win step four it's important I was bringing in step three players so they were all problems to overcome. But like I said, to again, sort of step one, it was important that Hales Owen Town is a huge, huge name. It's a non-league powerhouse, in my opinion. So that did very, very well for us. And then added to that, 
a fantastic, fantastic fan base who, uh, who yes, it had dwindled at times over the last three or four years. But I tell you what, to come back with with a vengeance this year, and they've been they've been magnificent. So it was important to try and sell that, and and we managed to do that. So yeah, it was tough. We managed to put some sort of side together as the season's gone on. As you can imagine, with with what we've been doing in the in the cup competitions and the league, it obviously becomes a little bit easier to recruit if we needed to. With where we were, the majority of this squad has been here from day one. So it was very important just to keep that continuity, remain focused, and keep them sharp. So from that point of view, Paul. And I'm probably looking more around the Bradford Park Avenue fixture. So from that point of view, having a good start in the league, and again, your words earlier on in the show, you know, there's a big difference between step three and step four. For a club the size even of Hales Owen, operating at step four, to go to a conference north side, to get a replay, to bring them back down to Hales Owen on a Tuesday night and get that buzz around what was going on and, like you say, winning games and everything seems to be going well. I remember watching highlights on Twitter after the game and there looked about 600 fans just in the, the shed end behind the goal, which, having played there myself, you know, once that place starts rocking, it's very daunting no matter what level of football you're at. On top of that as well, the fact that the neighbours down the road at Starbridge, you know, had had a bit of an indifferent start to the league campaign, but were also doing really well in the FA Cup at that time. Was that something that, was there added spice there from the club as well because Starbridge were doing what they're doing and they've been so successful in cup competitions over the years? The fact you guys all of a sudden were beating step two sides, was there a real air of... Actually, do you know what? We could really, really surprise a few people this year. Because let's be fair, when you beat Bradford Park Avenue, nobody with the best will in the world would have endeavoured that you'd have made the semi-finals of the trophy, in my opinion. But what was it like in the dressing room, in the club, the whole buzz about the place at that time? It's obviously, you can imagine, can't you? It was unbelievable. The Starbridge thing, I take no notice whatsoever what anybody else is doing, Russ. So it makes no no odds to me what Starbridge have been doing. And in an ideal world, I'd love them to be flying because it'd be great for local football my fans wouldn't turn around and tell you that but it makes no difference really to me with what they're doing it's all important is is about us and, and what we try and do we set out things in the summer with with Keith and Karen and I to, to push this football club on in every facet and don't get me wrong we're probably well ahead of where we thought we'd be right now on and off the field but a lot of that's down to the hard work that's gone in you talk about the games yeah Bradford Park Avenue we weren't sure it was going to be on it, it was horrible horrible day frozen the pitch was sort of half waterlogged and we got a bit of a pitch inspection on the Friday now I have a, a scout that goes out and watches all my opposition he'd, he'd been twice he'd been the, the Saturday previous and the Tuesday before that and he'd found he'd found things that we think we could work on and we we managed to work on it we got up there and uh, there was a certain pattern of play we were looking to try and do and a way we were going to do things. And it was a nightmare because we got there, walked on the pitch and the game was touch and go. It was the worst pitch I've ever seen be declared playable. A lot of credit's got to go to their grounds people to be able to get it on. I'm amazed, if I'm being completely honest, that the referee played it, complete quagmire. So all of a sudden then, the, the things we'd worked on, We'd identified some ways of exploiting their weaknesses and we'd, we'd looked at trying to work some things for ourselves. There was no way we were going to be able to do that there. So it was it was a war of attrition. It was a it was a complete change of tact to an extent, which made it even better that we managed to get that draw and get them back down to our place. It was a fantastic result up there. And again, those that were there will probably tell you we deserve to win the game, but 
we didn't. We brought them back down to our place and uh, we played really well on the night. They were obviously in a poor run of form and struggling for a bit of form. And I think, you know, when you just know, I think they felt their time was at their place on the Saturday. And if they didn't do that, it was a tough old journey back down to us on Tuesday. And we had a real good crowd in there. A horrible, misty night. One of those lovely nights. If you're a non-league fan and you love your non-league football, it's one of those Tuesday nights when the mist was coming down. It was a bit of a nip in the air. And we played very, very well. Thoroughly deserved the win and that really sort of was the was the springboard really that was the one where not just the players but the fans themselves thought well hang on a minute we've just turned over a, a side sort of three divisions higher than us here uh, sort of close to being a full-time side and we've turned them over with with gusto so maybe that was the first sort of time that people were looking up and thinking well this could be a bit of a special season for us what was the atmosphere in the dressing room like after that was the did you really start to see something special starting to build because what we shouldn't lose sight of the fact of is in the early stages of the season you also won through a couple of rounds of the FA Cup and ended up playing Altrincham. So not just competing, but you're beating teams two leagues above. And then going into the next game, which was the, the game against Gateshead, again, I'm guessing you're probably going in there with, whilst you're always going to respect your opponents that you're playing against, you're showing that you've got signs that we don't need to fear anybody because on our day, we can beat anybody, especially at home. That home record is really starting to come really strong at that point is it fair to say yeah completely agree listen by the way Altrincham were, were, were top top draw I must have watched that game a dozen times I just thought Altrincham the way they moved the ball their movement off the ball it was a lesson we got done 2-0 on the day and on another day Rishu hit, hit the woodwork Luke Yates hit the woodwork at a various stage and it could have been different it showed me where I'd like us to be in, in 18 months two years time with with everything about their performance, I really enjoyed it. And it's it's a strange thing to say, isn't it, when you get beat? But I take more from any defeat than I do from any victory. What I took from that game was massive, the Altrincham game. You move on to the Gateshead one, and, and like you said, it's a fantastic result. And like I've touched on previously, my scout, Steve, one of my best friends, goes out and watches everything for me. And it's a very, very important group of people behind me, the likes of Craig Nichols as coach and, and Josh Coney, you know, Snapper, Steve McGinn, Dan, my cameraman, who does all my TV stuff. Without them, you can't do, you can't get to where you want to get to. It's a full-time job. You want to be successful and do well. It take a hell of a lot of time up, and it's so, so important. You've got very, very good people around you. And I firmly believe that if you have, and then you've got those, those methods and processes in place that I swear by, then you can be successful. Everything up until that point, the games, um, obviously, against Gateshead, against Bradford Park Avenue, Steve's got to take a lot of credit, as has Dan. And without him and his his footage, he breaks things down for me. Without all that, then we wouldn't have been doing what we're doing. So a complete group effort, and it's important that they're put on pedestals as high as anybody else. So Paul, then January witnessed no letter being gained, both in the league and the trophy. But two games I'd like you to discuss <coughs> in more detail for us, being another replay success against Maynard United in the trophy, followed very quickly by a key league away visit to Corby. And a point on your travels with a big crowd of nearly 800 people at Steel Park. Now, we touched on earlier in the show about the physical demands of recovery time for players during these high-pressured games. But going into February, how has the squad buried up mentally to cope with the demands of competing for the title and continue your journey in the FA Trophy? 
start with a sort of maidenhead game and the only time I think it was 13 games in the end we played in the trophy those 13 games there was one half we were completely out football and that was maidenhead away in the in the replay so we drew at our place we went down to theirs on a Tuesday night again pitch inspection when we arrived which was madness really they got blow heaters on the on one side of the pitch and tractors to try and get the get the game on they managed to get it on and that first half we were in a world of bother it wasn't for two unbelievable saves from Brendan one cleared off the line and two real bad finishes from from two of their lads we could have been in a world of bother yes we had two good chances ourselves don't get me wrong but in my opinion if we come in at half time three nil down no one could have had any complaints and we'd have been out of the competition I don't dress over that we were very very lucky to come in at one nil then you're at that situation where you're not playing well things are going against you so you've got to sort of make some drastic changes and sometimes they they come off and you look like Jurgen Klopp sometimes they don't and you look like you you can't manage the dog and duck on a Sunday so we made two two substitutions at half time changed the shape Josh Hawke and Luke Yates came on at half time again no respect to the two that have come off we've done brilliantly all year but the shape change made a bit of a difference and we've gone from being dead and buried at half time to putting in singly the best half we've put in all season that's in any competition we were, we were out this world and it, like I said it's took me to took me throwing a couple of cups of tea and a couple of changes but we were a fantastic second half and if you've watched those highlights or those that watched the highlights or, or those that were there even better will we'll state we were we were sort of out this world really it's been a bit strange then because we we obviously went from we went from Maiden Head on the on the Tuesday night and the furore and how good that was. And we had to then go to go to Corby on the Saturday. And again, it happened a bit later on in the season. We, we, we had Barney in the trophy on the, on the Saturday and we had to go to Burke Hampstead on the Tuesday. So fixture didn't fall, fall great for us. And don't get me wrong, again, those that know me will know that I'll never make any excuses whatsoever. To go from what we're doing in the trophy and a game like Maidenhead, it could have been anyone else in our league, but then we had to go to Corby, who obviously were challenging for the title. And then similarly, obviously, the Barnet game away from home that we turned them over. We now have to go to Burkhamster on the Tuesday. So it wasn't made easy for us. Your question about mentality, I will never question. I will never question this group's mentality. They're a fantastic group. It's important they take all the plaudits that they deserve for, for what they've done this year. Yes, I'm a hard taskmaster. And yes, there's things that I say behind the scenes that need to be said. Again, everything I ask of them, everything that they need to be doing, that they do. And ultimately, those that don't would get moved out. That's the bottom line. But they buy into what we're trying to do as, a, as me, as a manager and my staff. And hopefully, and I'm sure they have seen their just rewards so far this year, it's very, very important now we don't rest on our laurels and look to bounce on from this. So from that point of view then, Paul, was it a case really because there was such a you know routine now of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday coming, was it just a case of you were managing the mentality and the recovery more than really having to... Because you weren't going to be getting much time on the training pitch on a Thursday night because knowing at that time of the year, as you say, pitches weren't great, games were getting called off, they were starting to become games backed up and backed up. But from that point of view, and again, going back to the Maidenhead game, again, watching it when you drew with them down here in the first leg, I seen it 1-0 at half-time and I did think, um, I wonder if it's just a game too far. And then obviously you equalise and then Rob Evans scores a goal that probably Rob Evans is one of them players that that is what you would deem a Rob Evans goal. He doesn't score tappings, especially playing at centre-half. But going back into the change room after the game, having... 45 minutes beforehand having to have a few choice words but they've shown you they've got that real character and desire which again you're saying you've not had to question did anyone mention the 
the word Wembley and was you quite quick to try and quash that because you have got a league campaign to that is your bread and butter and that's your priority. You didn't want people getting carried away. How was that for you as a manager trying to be able to spin all them plates and manage all those expectations? I don't think it was a factor. I don't think I struggled, to be honest, keeping keeping feet on the ground within the within the dressing room, Russ. I think I had more more problems in trying to keep the keep the sort of press and the and the fans and, and the board to an extent there, feet on the on the floor. It was a fantastic second half performance. As you said about about Evo, you know yourself, what a fantastic footballer he is as a centre half to, to be as talented as he is. There's not many about is there and, and those kind of goals. You scored one for Redditch as well that was out this world. It wasn't the players or inside the dressing rooms whose feet I needed to keep on the ground. They're they're a level headed group and it was a case of we just taking one game at a time because they were coming around that quickly. What was important was not so much physical training, but we were then more in line of looking at opposition and uh, analysing what they're likely to do. So the training sessions sort of slowed down a little bit as in physical kind of stuff and what we can do, but looking at others. So we managed to turn that round a little bit to make sure we were still ticking over and still doing things. I think what was important, as you've touched on before, about those expectations, and I moved back again about bringing players in. You talk about this sort of mentality and this sort of constant Saturday and Tuesday. Well, it proves the point even more so really why it's so, so vital. You've got 18 very good footballers because we were going into a Saturday game, Barney on the Saturday and got Burkhamsted on the Tuesday or or Maidenhead in the trophy on a, on a Saturday and then Corby on the Tuesday or vice versa. So there's no way in the world you can have as much as you'd want to. There's no way in the world you can have 11 players that are flying for a, for a sort of a huge game at Maidenhead and get yourself in the quarterfinals of the trophy on a Tuesday and then have that same that same sort of get up and go for a Saturday game against Corby. So it's very important you've got players there that are all of a similar ability so you can make four or five changes. And as those, those games are coming around thick and fast, I was making four or five changes every game, carried two goalkeepers all season. I've done it on purpose, told them both exactly what we were looking to try and do at the beginning of the season. They've been absolutely fantastic for us from day one. They're bought into it and you'll probably find that both have played sort of similar amount of games. But there's that much riding on these games, especially as you get a little bit deeper in the cup competitions they can take a lot out of you not so much physically but mentally the squad comes into itself really with the size and to make sure you've got those personnel that can switch around and I think from that point of view you know and I think you make some you know really valid points about having to have 18 20 players because at the beginning of the season every manager and a chairman would probably be like yeah we'd like a cup run but the league's the bread and butter you've done well in the first few rounds of the FA Cup you're now well into the the latter end of the the trophy but again you've got the league and that's always been the bread and butter and I think you know we've seen teams over the years that have been fighting on a lot of fronts and it's just become a little bit too much for them and they've started to peter away and end up with nothing but if you look at your dressing room you know and again you talk about characters I think you've got some top lads in your dressing room for the ones I know you know if you look at your your three centre halves you know and I know you had young Jordan Piggott as well, but, you know, Paul McCone, Rob Evans, Andy Parsons, I think it's fair to say, as you touched on there, they could probably all still play step three quite comfortably because every game now was becoming such a cup final, without that sounding cliche, but to go from the trophy on the Tuesday to then go and play a team that were a lot of people's favourites to finish in the top two this year, was it easier to manage that from the players' point of view, that 
every game there was such a big level of importance in. So if you're not playing Saturday and you're playing Tuesday, I need you to be give me the best performance you've got. Is that fair to say? Yeah, hugely. Added to that or rolling on from that, you know yourself again, every player wants to play every game, don't they? If you say there's 70 games in a season, every player wants to play those 70 games. The way I try and do it, it's purely based around honesty. It's purely based around the very beginning, telling them what, what I expect, what I want, how this will work. And if you want to buy into this, then you will have a huge role to play. Few sides really can go to somewhere like a a maiden on a Tuesday and then make five or six changes going to a Corby in a huge top of the table league clash. And we've been in a position to be able to do that because, as I said, honesty is huge and every player in that group is as important as each other. Similarly, like, again, it goes down to those basics for me that staff and players, you're all one. There's no, there's no him, there's no, there's no superstar. And if you can keep that all on a level and all nice and tight, then for me, it's possible to be able to do chooses that every single week. And how many sides and how many managers, and no disrespect to any managers here, but how many managers make excuses? Well, we missed him and him and him on a Tuesday night. They couldn't get there because they're working or uh, it was too far to go. And, uh, we had issues with that and issues with that. They're easy things to turn around and say for me. If you do things right, if you do things properly, if you've got those methods and processes in place, then there shouldn't be any excuses. And I won't make any. We weren't, in my opinion, I was disappointed with where we were in the league when we finished. That's down to me. I feel with a group we'd put together that we should have been clear we should have been out of sight to an extent when the league finished we weren't and I look to work on and I look to improve and that's me being hard on myself but I always will be but they're a great group and I couldn't ask any more of them. Paul, February turned out to be the defining month for the club with wins against Halifax Town and Barnet to reach the last four of the trophy. Now earlier on the season we spoke to Craig Nichols who gave us his thoughts on how the relationship and support from the fans has developed over the season and what's the coach journeys like heading back home after the Barnet and Halifax games. The fans, it was one of the first things when I sat down with with sort of Keith and Karen when I took over. There was a disconnect. There wasn't a connection between the, the management and the playing staff and the fans for a while at the football club. It's one that we identified as as a reason that we need to try and, and get back. The fans are the life and soul of a football club. Without them, it's very, very difficult. Difficult for them from week on week, financially more than anything else. But we've got a fan base there, but it's very, very important that I brought that connection back. To do that, we talked in the... In the summer about, um, I wanted to try and sign sort of half a dozen players on contracts, firstly, so there wouldn't be uh, any chance of them leaving. But secondly, it would give it would give the fans some way of knowing that there's some faces that are going to be here for the season, players that they could identify to, heroes. and uh, People might say that sounds silly, but for me it's not, because I, I love my non-league football. But a non-league fan, someone that loves Hales Owen, is as important as someone, a Villa fan, that loves a Villa player. So it was important that we tried to tried to get that connection. So we did a lot of stuff in the summer, shirt signings, um, player signings themselves, season ticket signings about me getting players in and me being there and just trying to start bit by bit in bringing that back together with, with the fans and the management side and the playing staff. And I hope over the course over the last 12 months, 
months that that we've done that and we've done it very very well you only have to look on sort of social media to see that there is that connection again it's very very important again when I sort of bring players to the football club that they they want to conduct themselves properly in, in public and especially when they're when they're wearing the Hales own badge but two they interact with with fans it's important that they want to do that they are what we need to bring to the football club one financially and two for it to be a better place to be around so we've worked on it we're getting there you only have to look at our last our last game before the lockdown we played a side in the bottom three and we had 911 there we're bringing them back through the turnstiles with performances and with hopefully bringing that that sort of connection back as regarding coaches they've been fantastic haven't they the Halifax game we we stopped up there on the Saturday night so club were brilliant we, we stopped up there on the Friday to prepare then when we won we had an option to stop up there on a Saturday so we all went into Leeds and it it was brilliant we had board members there we had Keith one of the owners he came out staff players and it was it was a fantastic fantastic night what non-league's all about and again it bounces on then doesn't it that builds that camaraderie that team spirit that crack there were some fans out in Leeds so all of a sudden that gets back that the players and the staff and the owner were all out and the fans are out and it all brings that back to where where I believe it should be if you really want to succeed in in non-league football you've all got to be pulling in the same direction that's from from the owners of a football club in through a board to a manager to players to staff to the volunteers to the fans to the tea lady everyone's going to be pulling in the same direction and if you do you stand a great chance of progressing so paul again somebody who i've known your studly days when i first went to alva church you know and then your time at bromsgrove you've always been very active on social media about thanking the fans and really resonating the points you've just made there about making sure everybody's on the same page this that and the other and i think it's fair to say that a lot of the players you've had in this year that i follow on social media you know at five o'clock on a saturday or ten o'clock on a tuesday night thanks for the Hales Owen fans and you can see how many likes and retweets etc that brings you speak about the fact that you'd gone to to Halifax probably from the outside looking in I think a few people might have thought this is where the journey ends and then Jamie Molyneux pops up I don't want to make this like the the Rob Evans show but that pass from Rob Evans if Kevin De Bruyne makes that pass on match of the day on a Saturday night it's spoken about for the next three or four days but then you could really sense that the fact that everything is going so well you know chairman's out on a night out fans and all of that when it comes to managing expectations when the new season does start is it really important that you stress to the board the fans etc that there is going to be potentially some bad days and let's not forget these good days we've had and don't get too caught up in a couple of defeats because let's be fair next season are people going to be expecting a lot more from Hales Owen than they probably was 12 months ago I'll put my neck on the line a little bit listen I know, I know a number of managers that wouldn't do this but we've got to shoulder those expectations Ross if we want to do what we want to do with this football club then it's very very important we build on what we've done so far so we must be must get gunning for a promotion this year you know we must be gunning to, to win this league we must be looking to, to push on again and give the trophy a real good go again we're still only a step four side but in my opinion the squad that I'll put together won't be a step four squad so there's no reason on earth that we can't at least get through a few rounds in that or the FA Cup so certain managers may try to play down those expectations but I won't we've got a a fantastic football club now that has been put in that situation by two owners by the way she's a chair lady Karen Keith's director of football the two own the football club and what they've done over the last 18 months is nothing short of, of miraculous financially we've gone from 
a club that's been debt-ridden and hemorrhaging money, now to a club that's making money on a level footing and looking to expand and get better. It's been a privilege to be able to jump on, not just the managing side and the playing side, but I've also tried to help off the field with certain things too. It's a pleasure to be around. So, no, I slightly disagree. I, I think we should be playing it up. We'll be big fish for people. Yes, we'll be that that big target again. People will come to our ground and, and our setup and love it and, and want to turn us over. That's nothing new. That's not what I don't expect. And I think it'd be an easy way out for me to turn around and say that I want people to, to play down our expectations. No, I'm gearing up to win the league again. And I'm happy to put that out there. I'm gearing up to go and do as well as I can in the cup competitions. If I fail, then that's down to me. Nothing to do with anybody else. That'll be down to me. I'm happy to put that on my shoulders. On a lighter note, Evo's pass, it was fantastic, wasn't it? It was probably the pass of the season. But the goal from the very beginning and... You've been as good a coach as you are. I'm sure you'll appreciate the move as a whole. Came sort of from deep and there was a number of passes that built into that. So I think Evo's pass gets the, the plaudits and rightly so. But the actual move itself, I thought, was worthy to win any game. So from that point of view, again, you've beat Halifax. There must have been five, 600 Hales Owen fans all left in the ground, you know, singing with the players and that after. You have your night out in Leeds, then... Obviously, such a massive high. At that stage, Hales are in town are in the quarter-final of the FA Trophy. You don't get many step four or step three sides left in the competition at that stage. You know, from that point of view, going into the league campaigns then, again at that stage, knowing you're going into the quarter-final, did everything become a little bit like Disneyland in that sense? Because you're attracting a lot more media attention, you're getting a lot more fans. I would imagine around that time, you're probably getting people quite interested in your players from leagues above. At that point, you know, one of the things I've always admired about you as a manager is what you do create camaraderie-wise and the fact that your teams every season must have at least 25 curry nights. How important was it that old-school values of getting them together? It'd be a light training session, but just having that bond and just keep working on that team spirit and that bond all the way through because it would be fair at that time to say some people could start to get a little bit carried away with themselves, would it not? Completely right. That all boils down to how you set it up from the beginning. You can't just make that up halfway through so I talk through how I explain to everyone at the beginning of the season how I do things how things need to be done what I expect of them as individuals on and off the field how I expect them to behave how professional I expect them to be how I expect them to work with the fans etc 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 you build that from the very beginning from the very start you build that camaraderie you build that crack and you talk about the curry nights I take them to Benidorm every year if you want to go and succeed and again it's, it's going back to that same old same old story if you really want to do well at this you've got to throw everything at it it's so important that you do and these footballers some managers will turn around and slate footballers and say oh they're Charlies they're this they're Charlies they're that they're not the human beings and everyone's different and if you want to get the best out of that human being or that human being on a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock you want them in the best frame of mind. You need to make sure that they feel the best person that they can possibly be. All week, you've done whatever you can in any role. As a manager, you're a mum, you're a dad, you're a girlfriend, you're a boyfriend, you're a bank manager. There's that many roles you've got to take on to make sure that these boys are happy. And if you want to do well at this as a manager, I believe you've got to take on those roles. That camaraderie, that crack, that togetherness. And I pride myself on, on being that man manager that, that brings squads together that, that make these people feel important. Because they should be. Everyone, everyone deserves to feel important. They're footballers, yes. They can be They can be babies at times, yes. They can throw their toys out the pram at times, but so can we all. 
It's important they're treated the same. And if you get that set up right at the very beginning, it's very, very easy to keep their feet on the ground. And again, I touched on it a little bit earlier with you. Inside that inner circle, that group we had, it was like a shell. Myself, my staff and the players, we didn't really worry too much about what was going on outside or the furore about it. What we were driven to do was to make sure, right, we've got and done main ahead. Let's move on to the next one. Right, we've got and done Halifax. My favourite game of all of all season. We've got and done that. That's all we were focused on. Uh, and it was important that I made sure that they were focused just on that. And again, continue to say it's blue in the face they deserve huge credit players and the staff because what I ask of them it's way above step four or non-league football the things that I ask and the time I ask that they put into this it's way above the level we're at and for them to buy into that and be willing to do that and then they deserve all the plaudits that they're getting So Paul in what turned out to be the closing weeks of the league season a dip in league form with defeats against Berkhamsted and Bedford Town left you in second with Corby in third place now, with plenty of games still to go, was it beginning to appear that only you and Corby could realistically pip Berkhamsted to the league title? It was a three-horse race, that's for sure. And some may look at it as a dip in form because we lost a couple of games very quickly. From my point of view, there were two defeats. You look at it as a bigger picture. There were two defeats in six months. We hadn't lost. Beginning of September was the last game we lost. So to go from sort of September to February or March when we lost the other two is a huge 17 or 18, 19 games unbeaten. And I get it, the Berkhamsted one especially it was on the back of that huge cup game and it was a Tuesday night going there it was always going to be a tough one did I doubt what we could do no I still felt we were strong enough I still felt we got enough about us to be able to finish the season off and win the league did I think we were going to win the league yes I did I honestly believe with the way we'd gone it was two bad results for us but in a way use it as a bit of a a kick up the backside. We'd been phenomenal for a long time up until those two defeats. We'd we'd beat anyone in front of us from step one down to our step on numerous occasions. So I don't think in the long and short of it, those two defeats were going to make a huge difference, if anything. Hoping that I'd be able to use those two to galvanise us as a group to realise that there was work still to do. We still couldn't just turn up and win games of football. We, we had to work at it. So we were a point behind Berkhamstead. We'd got them still to come to our place. We'd still got more games at home than away. I was really confident that, albeit we'd lost two in very quick succession, there were two defeats out of seven months or six months. And if we use them to our advantage, and like I touched on again earlier, I learn more from any defeat than I will from 10 wins. So if we could use that to our advantage, if we could spin that round, I I honestly still believe that that we could win the league and and maybe, just maybe, get to Wembley final. So Paul, I just want to step off the pitch just for a minute because again, like you said, you know, sometimes using the motivation of losing a game sometimes it isn't a bad thing. I'm not saying people set out to want to lose football matches at all, but sometimes it just allows you to hit the reset button and focus on going on another good, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 unbeaten run. But off the pitch, and I know the football club were able to bring Rod Brown into the mix. And again, Rod's, Rod's football management CV speaks for itself, has been at some unbelievably big clubs. So he was brought into the the boardroom, so to speak. And also around that time, it was announced that Craig Nichols and Josh Coney were going to be taking over the the full-time running of the the academy programme. So when you first sat down with Keith and Karen, and obviously primarily your first focus is the football team and all of that, even back in those early days, were those two things that were key and important for you as a football club 
to happen through the course of the season and obviously getting it done, was you quite pleased about where that was now taking you off the pitch? Keith and Karen, all they care about is the the good of the football club. That that became apparent very, very quickly. There was no no financial gain. There was no ulterior motives. It was purely, purely about the football club. And, and that was, I was so pleased to see that. I've been in scenarios, previous clubs where I was throwing everything at it and realised it wasn't going where it needed to go. So it, it was pleasing at the time when I walked in, that what they said and their efforts since I've been here have been nothing short of fantastic. So ticked all the boxes for me, Russ, to, to throw everything at it myself. So quickly identified with them that there was issues, not issues is the wrong word, there were positions within the football club that we could we could look to improve, we could look to strengthen and we could look to help move the club forward because ideally we want to try and get these this football club up to the levels of Barnet and Maidenhead and Halifax. That's where we want to be. That's where we want to go. And, and we firmly believe as a three, Keith, Karen and I, that we can get the football club there. But to do that, there's lots of work to go on behind the scenes, as you've said, as well as on the scenes. So... I'm very good friends with Brad. I knew he was soon to be available, having coming out of, of being vice chairman at, at Kidderminster Harriers for a number of years. Put it to Keith and Karen that he may be available. I left the rest up to them then to, to obviously set meetings up with Rod. If they were happy with him and he was happy with them, it'd be brilliant to get him on board. They have, and I think it's a fantastic, a fantastic appointment to bring onto our board. Similarly, our academy, again, no disrespect, hasn't quite been firing as well as it could be. So we made steps to, to get that to a point now where we think that can can move forward it was vital that we got some coaches in that are fantastic at what they do young hungry to succeed for an academy so again obviously I managed to, to sort of get Craig and Josh to sit down with Keith and Karen and and sort that out again there's lots more going on behind the scenes training facility at the moment just about to be built and that'll be out in the press over the next week or two to tell you all about that and that's a fantastic venture again where we've got a state-of-the-art training facility just a mile away from the ground for for all our age groups so it was the big selling point for me Russ when again I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet but in the summer there was interest from two or three football clubs but having sat down with Keith and Karen their hunger their desire for the club to succeed with with what they wanted to do and how they wanted me to help them was a clincher for me and even just 12 months in I've enjoyed myself here more than I've enjoyed myself anywhere and I've had some real good times I firmly believe this is just the beginning for this football club I firmly do I think there's a hell of a lot of, of room for us still to move I think there's a hell of a lot of room for us still to achieve and as long as we keep working our socks off and, and progressing on and off the field I think this could be a, an exciting period for the football club I think like you allude to there, you know, you're slowly but surely starting to put the, the right pieces of the jigsaw in place in terms of in the boardroom, you know, now if the academy, obviously the first team's thriving and, you know, getting a lot of good recognition and rightly so. Is the hope then that from the academy point of view that you can then really start to create a pathway for local Black Country, Hales Owen lads to ultimately have a vision of playing in the first team because I think we've seen at other clubs sometimes an academy is there for financial gain and reward and if you get a player through, great, but as long as you get your X amount per year per student, that's the, the main priority. But from your point of view, does getting local, young local players now in and around the first team environment, when I say young and local, people who have come through the Hales Owen programme, whether that's within the education programme with Craig and Josh or have come through the junior section. Does that just bring the community 
even closer together because you know yourself when you play than when you managed. Supporters will always attach themselves quicker to people that they deem to be one of their own, so to speak. Is that fair to say? Yeah, 100%. I won't insult the intelligence of your listeners to turn around and say that the academy is not a, a money-making exercise. There's no point in me turning around and saying that every academy, every football club, it's there primarily to attempt to bring footballers through this, uh, the situation and, and to break into first teams. But its main sort of object is a revenue stream. I won't say any differently. But the big thing is, though, if you can put every every block in place, make that academy as good as you can make it, you stand a better chance then of progressing these boys. And we've put two coaches in now. Until I got these two, I was blinded a little bit through loyalty. But once I've got these two, they've took it to a complete different level and they continue to take the coaching methods to a complete different level. We did a, a session on Tuesday, first one back. And again, from me giving them the information of what I'd like to try and do in the session, for them to take that on board and put the session on they did, it blew me away. So going back to the academy, if if you've got those kind of coaches that are eager to try and produce good footballers, they're eager to try and get players to learn, it gives you the best opportunity that if you've got a hungry lad that wants to listen, that wants to learn, we're giving them the best opportunity. We've got the best coaches there that could give them the best information to get them where they want to be. This facility we're having built now, Within six months, that will be the best facility locally to be able to go and coach at. So now all of a sudden, I've got the two best coaches locally, in my opinion. We've got the best facility. That now should facilitate a chance of these academy boys in pushing on, maybe in 12, 18 months, two years, into trying to get into the first team. And completely agree with you. That's the aim. That's where you'd like it to be. And hopefully, for that to happen, you need to make sure all the boxes are ticked. And I believe we're nearly close to having those boxes ticked. And if they are, you know that every local lad around here, which academy they're going to want to go to, they're going to want to go to Hales Owen Town. And that's what we're trying to achieve. That's what we're trying to get to. And if we can, with what we're doing on off the pitch, brilliant. And I firmly believe as a football club, we're getting towards that direction. So Paul, it remains unclear at this stage where this season's FA Trophy competition will be allowed to reach its conclusion. However, reaching the semi-final stage for the fans has provided them with some experiences that will live long in the memory for many years to come. What can you draw personally from this journey in the competition? And how does it compare to when you reach semi-finals in the Vars with Bromsgrove Sporting? I'm filled with pride as a step four side. I think there's only ever been in the history of the football club one step four side get to the semi-final. Boreham Wood about 2005. For them to get there, they, I think they played seven games to get to the semi-final. So for us to play the amount of games we have, a brand new sort of setup to get to the semi-final. I'm immensely proud of the boys and, and sometimes get a little bit emotional. I won't now, don't worry. Huge achievement and, and one that will live long in the memory. It's not just getting there, it's the way we've done it. We haven't done it the easy way. We've done it incredibly tough, you know, to go to Maidenhead, to go to Halifax, to go to Barnet and beat them in their own backyards. It's a huge, huge achievement. And it sits with me already. I get it. I understand it. I get the enormity of it. I'm not so sure the majority of the players will yet. I think they won't want me saying they're not the brightest of bunches. And I think it'll take a bit of time for it to sink in. And some might not realise the enormity of what they've done until they've finished playing. But it's a fantastic achievement. And one, hopefully... It's not quite finished yet, Kev. We hope that the semi-final might still go ahead. And if it does, who knows? We've sold sort of 3,400 tickets for the for the semi-final. So we still cling on to that hope that we might still be able to play that two-legged semi-final against Concord. So 
Regards the, the Bromsgrove Vars run, I love the majority of my time at Bromsgrove. It's a fantastic football club and one I've got some fun memories. It didn't go well towards the end for various reasons, but that Vars run in the middle of a, an unbeaten league campaign, which again, it, it's very, very rare to lead that club to what we did was, was fantastic and will live long in my memory, something that I'll treasure. This is better. This is bigger, purely down to the level we're at. Obviously, at Bromsgrove, we we were a big fish then. There's no two ways about it. We had huge, huge crowds. We had a very good budget at the time. And we should be getting towards the, the back end of, of the FA Vars and winning leagues, perhaps not as comfortable as we did and not to, to go unbeaten, that's for sure. And maybe not to get to the semi-finals of the Vars. But we should still do very, very well. To do what we've done this year, to be the lowest sort of ranked side and level to enter the trophy to do that then as a step four side and against step three step two and step one sides and to beat the sides that we have over a 13 game run and to get to semi-finals this for me should and does rank higher than the the Bromsgrove setup if I was to ask you who your best signing of this season has been who would it be and why I'd go John Snape my assistant by a country mile, what he's brought to the party, what he's brought to my group, what he's done for me and the way he's fitted in and brought into what I want to do. The way he acts around the players, most managers would give you a player, but I won't. He has been outstanding and for me, easily the best sign I've made this season so far would be snapping me assistant. Given the fact that there's been a highlights reel that could probably fill three NLR podcasts. I'm not going to necessarily ask you for your favourite game, but what's been the one game that sticks in your head most for this season, whether that be a, a victory in the trophy, whether that be a defeat in the league? What's that one that when we finally draw a line under this season, whether the trophy gets played or not, as it stands today, what's that one game where you look and go, that game sticks out for this reason. I would normally pick a defeat here because I touched on again earlier in the conversation that I learn more from defeats than I do from from victories but I don't think that would be fair to, to what we've done this year for me I think that would be selfish for my own reasons to pick a defeat and go through why that stand out so I won't do that Maidenhead's second half was the single best half of football we've played 100% without a shadow of a doubt as a whole game with what we were up against and this will be my answer we went to Halifax who had just won team of the month in their division they were, they were going for the league title to get themselves in the football league we had a game plan based around two games Steve were going to watch we had a formation we had a setup for me to put that to the boys over two training sessions we stopped over there on the Friday we went through some stuff on the Friday evening to put all that into place and to go there as a as a full-time step one side for us as a step four side that would easily be the best single performance out of the season by a mile for me Halifax away last question which does stump a few people I've seen some great work over the last couple of weeks on again social media seeing yourself going down to the, the Grove getting your hands dirty you know smashing up toilets and being part of painting the stands with the fans and Keith McKenna as director of football so real togetherness about what's going on off the pitch and brings everybody together the chairman says to you in the summer pool you can have one thing this year financially but it can't go on to your budget now you've just alluded that you're you're moving into a, a top state-of-the-art facility for the academy and the juniors your pitch is certainly one of the best locally i think it's fair to say bar none but what would be that one thing that you think takes you to the next level off the pitch as a club that you would like 
as part of your tenure at the football club where you can look and go, that was part of my legacy? Well, we're just in the process now of building new dressing rooms. So there'll be a state-of-the-art new home dressing room, a new physio uh, recuperation room, wash area, then new away changing rooms, a new referees, uh, officials changing rooms. So that's in the process of just being built now. I'm just sort of helping the club now. So we'll have that up and running for the start of the season and they will be absolutely top draw. So that's in place. So for me, it'd be for the fans. And I believe that the way we're going at the moment, our clubhouse is not big enough. It's not fit for purpose going forward. So again, we've got plans in place to extend the the clubhouse and make that a, a bigger facility. So we struggle at the moment to be able to contain everyone that wants to be in there. So and we're looking to increase the, the size of our clubhouse twofold at the top end. So those would definitely be the two things that I'd look to try and try and do and try and hopefully we'll get done over the next 12 months because then we're increasing. The pitch, obviously, as you said, is, is where it needs to be. The change rooms are much better around the ground. We've we've done brilliantly. And it's so important for me to stress that, yes, I, I've been there and they take photos of me down there, which they're going to do to show that as a football manager, I'm down there doing things. But I haven't done half of what some of the volunteers have done or some of the the board members and the presidents have done and Keith McKenna himself has spent as much time as I have down there so as much as the photos have been banded around of me doing bits and pieces it's so important to reiterate that there's so many other people down there that are working their socks off to get the club to where it wants to be since lockdown I've been amazed I've probably been there sort of every other day and I've been amazed by the by the amount of people that have been there also on, on lockdown who aren't working it really is unbelievable Ross I, mean, I can't stress to you how took back I am with and it, it makes all that hard work and like I touched on previously how how hard it is if you want to succeed if you want to be a, a good manager or you want to try and try and strive to do well you've got to put that much time and effort into it but it makes it all worthwhile when I see these people that are there for no financial gain that are there just to, purely because they, they're, they're part of the Elts family they're, they're people that that love the football club that don't need to be there but they're there striving they're there working they're there grafting they're there painting they're there cutting trimming edges they're there clearing litter they're fixing seats fantastic and I've never I've never known anything like it I've, I've never known a club like it it's why I'm so sort of tied into it now it's why I've signed my contract and signed my deal here fantastic place to be at the moment well Paul we're coming towards the end of the non-league review here on Switch Sport do I take this opportunity to say on behalf of myself Ross Thorpe and all the team at Switch Sport and Switch Radio thanks once again for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you take care look after yourself and we look forward to catching you again at the start of next season all the best Switch Radio Sport This is Switch.